0: If you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping in a room with a mosquito. Ouch! So why is it that we often look down upon things that are small? As Christians, we sometimes forget that God uses just a little to do a lot.
1: When it comes to the kingdom of God, Jesus says it doesn't start off that way. It starts off small and insignificant and tiny, but it does a big work.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. There's a mystery about God's kingdom that we often miss. This week Charles Tapp reveals what Jesus tried to share with his disciples when it came to his kingdom and what it means for us today. As he shares the first part in this series, Keys to the Kingdom, with his message, Small Beginnings.
1: If you were to ask the average Christian, regardless of his or her denominational affiliation, to explain to you in their own words, what is the kingdom of God? I can almost guarantee you that you will receive a myriad of responses. Some would probably tell you, well, the kingdom of God is in heaven. Some may say, well, the kingdom of God is on the earth, and the earth made new. While others will still probably say, well, the kingdom of God is the church, and as the church grows, then the kingdom of God grows. Some might even say, well, the kingdom of God is going to take place when Christ returns at his second coming in all of his glory." And then there are those who will tell you, well, the kingdom of God is something that took place in the past, while others will say the kingdom of God is off in the future. But then you'll have a select group that will say, well, the kingdom of God is right here in the present. And what I find so interesting is that all of them, in a very real sense, are absolutely right. Right. Because when we talk about kingdom, and we've been talking about the kingdom of God quite a bit here since the beginning of this year, that the kingdom of God is about the reign of God. The kingdom of God is about the rulership and the authority and the sovereignty of God. The kingdom of God is not so much about a place as it is the place that God desires to have in each and every one of our lives so that he can be ruler or Lord of our lives. So when Jesus admonished his disciples to pray this way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In essence, he was admonishing them to acknowledge him as ruler of their lives, which would be demonstrated through their willingness to be obedient to the will of God. Now, if that's what the kingdom of God is all about, then why is there such confusion regarding what the kingdom of God is and the nature of God's kingdom? Why are there so many ideas floating around? Well, this may sound somewhat strange to you, but the culprit, the fault, is in Scripture itself. Now, before you think about taking away my ministerial credentials, let's just think about it for a moment. But first of all, when you look throughout the Old Testament and the prophecies that focus on the kingdom of God, many had the idea that it was primarily a single event that would take place in the future where God's kingdom would be established and would do away with all of the kingdoms, the man-made kingdoms of this world. For instance, in the second chapter of the book of Daniel. It contains a very well-known prophecy regarding the kingdom and the coming of the kingdom of God. In Daniel chapter 2, we all know King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, was given a great vision of of an image, and Daniel was able to interpret the vision to him. We know this well, for the vision of this great image was with this following description. The image had a head that was made of gold, which represented Babylon. Then his breast and arms were made of silver, which represented the kingdom of Medo-Persia. Then the belly and the thighs of brass, which represented Greece, and the legs of iron, which represented Rome. And then you get to the bottom of this image, and his feet are made of a mixture of iron and clay, which represented all the divided nations until the very end of time. But as you read on in Daniel chapter 2, it talks about a stone that was cut from a mountain without human hands that comes and literally destroys the feet of this image, so much so that it grounded to powder and nothing was left of it. But then in Daniel chapter 2, verses 44 and 45, the prophet Daniel proceeds to give King Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation of this dream. And look at what it says here, Daniel 2, 44 and 45. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up what? A kingdom, a reign, which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Look at verse 45. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, he says, and the interpretation is sure. So when you read Daniel 2 and Daniel chapter seven, you discover that this image that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his vision simply represented successive nations that were to dominate or that were to rule the course of world history from the time of Nebuchadnezzar's rule in Babylon all the way down to the end of time. And this stone that was cut from the mountain without hands represents the kingdom of God, which would ultimately displace all other kingdoms, all other authorities, and God's king or God's rulership would reign then forever, forever, and ever. And when you read the Old Testament, you get the impression that the kingdom of God is this single solitary event that is to take place somewhere off in the future that finally, ultimately puts an end to all previous kingdoms of the world. But then there's a problem because then when you read the New Testament, Jesus comes on the scene and when he is asked about the kingdom of God, Jesus doesn't give a description of some single, solitary, great event off in the future. Jesus gives a completely different perspective altogether. Let's go to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. Look at what it says. When he was asked by the Pharisees, talking about Jesus, When the kingdom of God or when the reign of God would come, he answered them and said what? The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say here or see there. For indeed, look at this. Jesus says the kingdom of God is where? Within you. Now, all throughout the Old Testament, the kingdom of God focused on this one event in history. But now Jesus says, I'm going to throw you a curve. The kingdom of God is not something you need to be looking out for. The kingdom of God is right here among you. The kingdom of God is within you. Now you see why there's such confusion as relates to the kingdom of God. But in Matthew chapter 13 and Mark chapter 4 Jesus comes to the rescue as he presents to us keys that will help us to unlock the mystery of the kingdom of God. And Jesus does this through the use of these very powerful but yet poignant short stories that we call parables. Parables where he will unlock the mystery that was hidden for quite some time. But why through the use of parables? Why did Jesus choose to use stories to unfold and unlock the mysteries of the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus' disciples asked him that same question. In Matthew 13 and verse 10, they said, Jesus, why are you now teaching in parables? Earlier, you weren't teaching in parables, but now, You've switched gears, and now all of your teaching is coming in the form of parables. But in verse 11, he answers them and says, because it was given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to them it will not be given them. But first we need to ask ourselves, what is a mystery? In Scripture, a mystery is simply classified as God's divine purpose from the very beginning, which is later now revealed in our time. So as we look at the mysteries of the, of the kingdom of God that are unfolded in these parables, we're asking ourselves, what is or what are the divine purposes of the kingdom of God as it relates to our world today? In Matthew chapter 13, as well as in Mark 4, Jesus lists several parables. And as we continue throughout this series, I admonish you to read those parables in their entirety. But today I'm only going to focus on two. So Let's go back to Matthew chapter 13 and let's take a look at these two well-known parables of the kingdom of God. Matthew 13 verses 31 to verse 35. Another parable, and it says another parable because he had already given two parables. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is the same thing as the kingdom of God is like what? A mustard seed, which a man took and sold in his field, which indeed is the least. It is the what? The least, the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs." And becomes a tree, so that the birds of air come and nest in its branches. Verse 34, 33 rather. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like what? Leaven. Auntie Mary told the story this morning of the leaven, which a man took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leaven. You need to put your finger right there because we're coming back to that. Verse 34, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables And without a parable, he did not speak to them. Look at verse 35. Why? That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. Here Isaiah saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from where? The foundation of the world. That's the mystery. God's divine purpose that originated from the very foundation of the world, Jesus says, as it relates to the kingdom of God, I'm now going to give you the keys to unlock those mysteries. But Here's the secret we need to understand as we begin this journey through these parables, and that is simply this, that each of these parables gives a special, unique aspect of the kingdom. That's why he didn't just use one parable. But in describing the kingdom, Jesus used several parables because each one of them gives us a special insight to the nature of the kingdom of God that the others do not. So as you can see, we've skipped parable one, we've skipped parable two. We're focusing today on parables three and four, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven. And what I want you to understand, parables are not the subject themselves. Parables just tell us what something is like, and that's important. Therefore, each parable, Jesus gives us his own unique insight. So let's look at the parable of the mustard seed. We are told that the mustard seed is a proverbial symbol for that which is tiny and insignificant. For In Jesus' day, when you looked at a mustard seed, it symbolized something in the culture that was tiny and insignificant. Notice Jesus does not say that the kingdom of God is like a mustard plant, which grows large and becomes a bush. He says, no, no, no. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Growth is not the issue in this parable. And why is that important? Because the point Jesus is making as it relates to the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God in its beginning is small. It is tiny. It is insignificant. And isn't it interesting that when it comes to small things, by human nature, we discard them, we dismiss them, we diminish them, because we think something that is small has no value, that it really doesn't
0: matter. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Keys to the Kingdom, Small Beginnings. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Jesus came here for you. No matter what your skin color is. Jesus came here for you if you're Republican, Democrat, neutral, don't know or don't care, or any political party. Jesus came for the far left and the far right, or if you're somewhere in between. Jesus came for the person who cut you off in traffic. Jesus came for the homeless, the poor, the middle class, and the rich. Jesus came for love. Love. Jesus came for you, and for all his children. We're here to remind you of that. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. And 88.3 on the Eastern Shore. This is Simple Truths for Life. And this week, Charles Tapp reveals the mystery behind God's kingdom that Jesus wanted his disciples to understand. Let's return to the rest of his message with the first part of Keys to the Kingdom, Small
1: Beginnings. How many of you know that some of the most successful business ventures that are known to man started off as something small. How many of you are familiar with the company Apple? Everybody who has breath in their body (laughs) knows Apple. Well, Apple started off in 1975 with Steve Jobs and his friend, Steve Wozniak, in their parents' garage. And they started with a capital Of $1,350, that's all they had. As a matter of fact, Steve Jobs sold his van and his friend Steve Wozniak sold his calculator. And they started off in a garage. How many of you today wish you had stock in Apple? If some of you had even one stock in Apple, one share, you would not be here today. Maybe that's why you don't have it. But if you had seen Apple in its beginning, you would have dismissed it. You would have disregarded it as just two young men wasting their time. If we could ask Steve Jobs' parents, I bet you they felt the same way. Well, he's just off in the garage playing with his toys. And now he has a whole lot of toys to play with. But you see, when we see something that's small, we disregard it. We think it has no value. Now, if you look at what Apple is worth, conservative estimates, net value, Over $1 trillion. Some of you are shaking your heads. They took $1,300 and turned it into over a trillion. But it started off as something small, something tiny, something insignificant. And that's what Jesus is saying about the kingdom. And then he goes on to make the same point When he talks about the leaven, he says in verse 33, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took. Please don't miss this part. She took the leaven and hid it in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Three measures of meal would make a loaf of bread or loaves of bread rather, that could feed at least a hundred people or more. But if you know anything about baking, anybody? Any men? We're the men. Gotta pray for the men here. I can make a mean pie from scratch. I can make the crust. You're acting like you don't believe me. Oh, ye of little faith. If you know anything about leaven, it doesn't take a whole lot because it's powerful. So the secret of the bread and it rising is not in the massive amount of dough, but it's in the tiny, insignificant, small piece of leaven. Here's the point Jesus is making, that the kingdom of God has small beginnings, just like in the parable of 11 and just like in the parable of the mustard seed. But here's the problem. Whenever people talk about the kingdom of God, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New One, even today, we always talk about the kingdom as being this huge event that is going to take place sometime in the not-too-far-distant future. For their idea of kingdom in Christ's day was a future event. But the mystery that Jesus wanted to unfold, God's divine purpose, is that this. If you're waiting and thinking that the kingdom of God is in the future, here's the mystery. The kingdom of God is now. For the future is now. It's not some huge event off in the distance. For God's kingdom works in two stages. We focus mainly on the big stage, when Christ will return, when he will be that stone cut off from the mountain without hands and will come and destroy the remaining kingdoms of the world and set up his own kingdom. We like that part. We like big stuff. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, Jesus says, It doesn't start off that way. It starts off small and insignificant and tiny, but it does a big work. But here's the problem. We like to disregard small things, including small people. When I was growing up, going to elementary school, I was the smallest guy in my class. Not only was I the smallest guy. I was smaller than the smallest girl. Why are you laughing? You think that's funny? I didn't think it was funny then. Imagine this small kid with this very high-pitched voice. I didn't stand a chance. I was disregarded. I was dismissed. I was hoodwinked. I was bamboozled. So one day I woke up because I had this grand idea. I'm going to do something about this. So I went into the restroom and and took out some toilet paper, not just any toilet paper. It was Charmin, the double ply. And I folded it up, two pieces, about a wad that thick, and, and I stuck each piece in my shoes. And all of a sudden, Elder, I went from this to this. I'm walking around now beginning my day. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Then I discovered a very valuable lesson about toilet paper, even Charmin. It does not remain firm very long. So although I began my day like this, I ended my day (laughs) being that small, insignificant, tiny person That people used to tease because we look at things that are small, including people, and we dismiss them. Don't we? Oh, yes, we do. We do it all the time. And we think that nothing's going to come out of it because it's small. And that's why when Jesus came and ushered in the kingdom, most of them missed it. Because they were looking for this huge, grand event where Jesus would come as king of kings. But instead of coming as a king, he came as a babe in a manger. Instead of coming as a prince, he was a carpenter. Instead of coming as a ruler who would sit on his throne, he came as one who humbled himself and hung on a cross. And they missed it. For they focused on the second dimension of the kingdom God coming in all His glory but Jesus came to let them know when it comes to the kingdom the future is now in other words if you don't allow God to reign in your heart and to be ruler of your life now you will not be part of the grand event then see here's the challenge that we have with the study of prophecy. Some people go overboard with prophecy and all they do is focus on the future. And they focus so much on the future, heaven, that they're no earthly good. They're always looking for this event in the future. Jesus says, stop looking. It's here and it's in you. And what does that mean for me today? What does that mean for you? If the kingdom of God is in me, And I acknowledge God is Lord of my life and he's ruling my life. That means I've got to live a life that matches and is in alignment with the values and the principles of the kingdom of God. So if the kingdom of God is within me, I need to stand for justice and I need to stand for righteousness and I need to live a life filled with the love of the Holy Spirit if the kingdom of God is in me. Here's the message Jesus gives to us today. Yes, the kingdom of God will come with this huge, great event in the future. But if you're not part of the kingdom of God now, and if I'm not part of the kingdom of God now, I won't be part of the kingdom of God then. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, my future is now. When it comes to the kingdom of God, your future is now. If you're worshiping online, when it comes to God's kingdom, you've got to decide now, today, if he's going to reign in your life, if he's going to be Lord of your life. Stop waiting for some future event. That's the icing on the cake. The only way we'll ever be a part of that kingdom when it comes in all its fullness and all its glory is if we're part of the kingdom now. My prayer today is that we will stop looking for some future event and start living in the kingdom now and allow the kingdom and the reign of God to live in our hearts and lives now. And we can make a difference. Oh, pastor, but I, I'm not that educated. I'm not that informed. Isn't it amazing what a little leaven does? Something so tiny. Something so significant. A little becomes much when it's placed in the master's hand. Who says amen to that? Tradition?
0: You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and the first part of Keys to the Kingdom with his message, Small Beginnings. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week.
1: Christ's death on the cross is what makes the kingdom of God the most valuable thing that you and I can ever
0: acquire. What's one man's trash is another man's treasure. And next week, Charles Tapp continues with the second part in this series, Keys to the Kingdom, as he asks, what value do we place on God's kingdom? With his message, buried treasure. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life. Jesus came here for you. No matter what your skin color is. Jesus came here for you if you're Republican, Democrat, neutral, don't know or don't care or Any political party. Jesus came for the far left and the far right. Or if you're somewhere in between. Jesus came for the person who cut you off in traffic. Jesus came for the homeless, the poor, the middle class, and the rich. Jesus came for love. Love. Jesus came for you and for all his children. We're here to remind you of that. WGTS 91.9.
1: Always encouraging. And 88.3
0: on the Eastern Shore.